Mr. Jason Hurd tonight, who's been a big part of my life. He actually married me and my wife, and he's Jessica's dad. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so I think it's funny. And I'm sorry, I figured you would do that too. Sorry, I'll, I'll be quiet. Anyways, here's Jason. He's pretty awesome. Is this on? Okay. Um, yeah. So I was driving here, and Jessica um, sent me a text and says, you're not here yet. So I, I was, I'm driving, and I'm trying to resist the urge to text because, you know, texting and driving. But I thought, well, my phone's got that voice thing where it, like, changes it to text. So I'm like, okay, almost there. And the next thing you know, the Yahoo page pops up with all kinds of Disney Princess and Frog references. And I'm like, I don't even know how to use this. Okay. I never, never mind. Um, Ah, okay. <laughs> well, I'm really glad to be here. I feel so disconnected. Um, my wife and I used to come up every every Sunday night. We had a church group that met over um, in the old Bruce Hill Furniture Building, uh, which is now um, above. It's over there. Anyway, and uh, we had a lot of college students coming out. We had a lot of Job Corps. And uh, it just kind of came down to the point. Our fourth child was born. My wife started her degree. We were running out of resources. And we just kind of had to put it on hold. And it kind of broke my heart because we had a great thing going. But college students and Job Corps students don't have very much money. And so um, when it was time to renew the lease, we just kind of let it go. And I'm not going to sing this song right now. Um, nope, not going to do it. And uh, so we kind of put that on hold. And we haven't been to Shadden very often. Uh, but like John said, um, I had the privilege of marrying them. Matt and Leah married them. Tanner and Courtney married them. Jesse and April married them. Of course, I married my wife, too, before all that. But um, <laughs> I feel like I've been over at C3 Church. I've married so many people at C3 Church that people think I pastor that church. I'm like, no, this is Grant. He's the pastor. Don't talk to me. I just, I just pass him through for some reason. I just end up being that guy. I don't know, I don't know why. My daughter was um, 11 years old when she had a birthday party, and there was a group of uh, high school students in my youth group, Courtney being one of them, Courtney, Ashley Young, Kaya Charging Thunder, and they were, how much older than you? Five, five years older. And, and Jessica would hang around with them, and they would, just, they would just let her do it. It wasn't like they were annoyed. I mean, they were that gracious about having this 11-year-old girl hang around with them, and so Jessica invited them to the party, and I get pictures of them. I can prove it, blackmail and everything. And they're at this 11-year-old girl's party just celebrating with her thing just like it's the most normal thing in the world, and I've loved them. So much. In fact, I love Courtney so much, I named my youngest daughter Courtney after Courtney. So um, we need to just take a little bit of time and pray for Tanner and Courtney right now uh, while they're trying to figure out what's going on. And off go the hats. Excellent. Okay. <laughs> let's, seriously, let's just lift them up because we want things to go well. Father, thank you so much for the ministry that, that you have been doing through Tanner and through Courtney. I know that when Tanner started here trying to fill Sean's shoes, they're big shoes to fill. But Tanner's a big guy in more ways than one. And Father, we love him, and we love Courtney dearly, and we know that she's been dealing with some things, and they don't know what's going on right now. They don't know what the problem is, and so God, I pray for supernatural wisdom for them, for the doctors, to just figure out what the problem is, and I pray, Father, it's nothing serious, and even if it is, you are still the great physician. You are the healer. We believe, God, that you can touch her body and help them figure out what's going on, and so Father, just let them know from our spirit to yours to theirs that we're praying for them tonight that we care, and that we want a good outcome. And we ask you, Father, for a good outcome, that you're going to touch her body, and you're going to encourage them and lift them up. In Jesus' name, amen.
I know I know Tanner's a little nervous about the money side of things. I don't think they've got insurance for that kind of stuff. So, uh, and the medical, yeah, nothing you want to mess around with. So, so it's been um, a, a privilege. I kind of how I got to know John and Tanner both. They started coming out on Sunday nights when we were doing Discovery Church, and sometimes we'd uh, hang out and play board games afterwards, and we'd have these little grill out things and do lots of geeky stuff. So I'm a bona fide geek. Um, I'm four years old and uh, still a geek. And um, my daughter is a little bit of a geek, but she kind of went a different route. She kind of went all outdoorsy and horse and oriented, and she got into fitness. And I'm like, fitness? I'm just going to fitness whole donut in my mouth. And um, no, no, she, <laughs> but, but I can't, I remember she used to sit down and watch Batman cartoons with me while she was wearing a big princess dress. And so I figured I did a few things right. Um, but just, it's been great just to, to see these guys continue this ministry and to be involved here on campus, and so when Jessica decided to come over here, I knew that she was going to have a great outlet, a great community of Christian college students that she'd be able to connect with, and so thanks for being that. Thanks for being for, here for her and for each other, and uh, and I know that it was a big deal for Tanner to take over for Sean, because, um, you know, he hadn't really been following the Lord for as long as some people would in that position, so uh, I know he felt the weight of that, and I know he continues, but uh, you all mean the world to him. And uh, I, what I want to do before I get into seriousness, you guys, you go to class all day, and um, they lecture you, and I thought, oh, I what I'm going to do tonight, I'm going to lecture them and give them notes and stuff, because that's what they do. But before I do that, I want to do something for you that I do for my youth group. I want to thank you for being here by um, kind of, I, I've compiled for you some of my favorite Facebook memes from the past few weeks. And this is my way of saying thanks for coming to Chi Alpha and not being in your, in your dorm room on your computer looking at Facebook. So I'm just going to sum up some of these for you. Now, this one here was, I like this. You know how all these adult picture coloring books have been coming out? This is an adult the coloring book for lazy people. Yeah, and notice that the color there is, um, is spelled the Canadian way. Uh, I am Canadian. I apologize. I am a uh, card-carrying member of Generation X, which means I will probably offend you and be really harsh. But because I'm Canadian, it offsets that a little bit. All right, because the Canadians are really nice. So I know if you're a millennial and a Generation X, those people really great on you the wrong way, but I'm Canadian, eh? So um, that'll, that'll help. Um, now, the next one is good. Uh, for those of you, uh, I'd walk through fire for my best friend. Well, not fire, that would be dangerous. But a super humid room, but not too humid because, you know, my hair. Uh, yeah, good deal. Facebook. Uh, this is a good one here. This is your life, expectations versus reality. How many of you feel that? Okay. And if that little white box comes up, I didn't do that. I don't know where that comes from. You just kind of ignore it. When I told you I was normal, I may have exaggerated slightly. Yeah. Sharcasm. I love salad. Say it with me now. Fish are friends. Thank you. It's not that difficult to tell alligators and crocodiles apart. One will see you later. The other will see you in a while. Yeah, if it's a groaner, just go with me. Just, just go with it. It's like you don't even know me. Okay, have you seen the iPhone commercial? Siri, set timer for 15. Okay, that's fine. We'll go on. Uh, this is what Santa's doing right now. He sent me a text that was seriously in my inbox. Um, anyone see the new Back to the Future trailer? 
Is that one playing at the theater too? I'm sorry. <laughs> I can't even do it. Okay, here's a good one. They'd all be so much more electable if they just had beards. It's like the new fellowship or something. Okay. Uh, when I was a kid, you didn't need to say, don't try this at home because we weren't a bunch of morons. I said, boy. Yeah. How many of you, foghorn, leghorn? Come on. Okay. Help me out. All right. It's good. <laughs> cat people. Matt's now a cat person. Sit down. Let me tell you a story. Once upon a time, I ate your hamster this morning. Emotional support animal. <laughs> this is a good one. I hate brushing my teeth at night because that signifies that you can't have any more food and I'm just not ready for that kind of commitment. <laughs> Ate salad for dinner, mostly croutons and tomatoes. Well, really just one big round crouton covered with tomato sauce and cheese. Fine, it was pizza. I ate a pizza. Fitting this whole pizza in my mouth. Okay, when I tell you it's made with love, what I really means I licked the spoon and kept using it. <laughs> it's okay, we can cook the germs. Now, this one looks like my daughter, Courtney, but uh, if you can't read it, it says, well, don't say you want a Lego Tower tournament if you can't handle losing. You want the truth? You can't handle the truth. All right. I ran the numbers, Dad. We can't afford a pony. This was my daughter back when she was nine. And somebody gave her a pony. There are 492 billionaires on this planet, and not one of those losers has decided to become Batman. What is up with that? How many of you have seen Batman versus Superman yet? Reviews scathing. It's making buckets of money. How was it? Was it? Fair, fair. Yeah, but you're a Deadpool fan, so you don't count, all right? <laughs> she asked for the biggest pizza they had. I don't know, I just thought that was cute. Punchline. Okay, the face you make when someone on Facebook is so in love for the third time this year. <laughs> Thank you, Tony. That's my favorite. Okay. <laughs> he stopped rubbing my belly just before I could bite him. The struggle is real. When going on a roller coaster, bring nuts and bolts with you. Lean to the person in front and say, whoa, dude, these came out of your seat. Don't do that. Okay, I don't. Maybe that's not the best idea to do, to do that. Uh, this is cute. This hedgehog is cheering for you because you can do anything. This should be your lock screen for the next week, okay? I'm thinking so. That awkward sign you pass after you just picked up a hitchhiker? Yeah, it's too bad. <laughs> when you're full and someone brings out a cake. <laughs> That face you make. Or this one. When a two-year-old asks Hercules to play patty cake on set, well, he plays patty cake. That also looks like my other daughter. Okay. I don't, well, she gets around a lot. Um, if only nature could provide some packaging for oranges so that we didn't have to waste plastic. Oh. Man. Yeah, okay, whatever. This might be the best thing I've ever read. An entire sea of water can't sink a ship unless it gets inside the ship. Similarly, the negativity of the world can't put you down unless you allow it to get inside you. Oh, that's your sermon. Let's pray. No, I'm just kidding. Tanner wouldn't be happy with me if I did that. 
Every time I find a good TV show on Netflix, you've seen four years of television in five days. That's never meant to happen. In fact, I just read on Netflix, there are people that as soon as a show goes live on Netflix, they have finished watching it in the exact amount of time that that show would take to watch. I mean, 12.01, and they watch 13 episodes of whatever is the new black or what I don't know what they do. I'm like, do you sleep? Did you eat? I, I don't even know. No matter how hard you try, you will never be as cool as this rabbit. Truth. <laughs> how guys think they look when they're checking out girls. <laughs> how they actually look. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Andrew Garfield. I feel like singing the Spider-Man theme song right now. Okay. Um, pit bulls and jammies, because why not? Pit bulls and jammies, people. Okay, help me here. Yeah, I'm into fitness. Oh, yeah, I already said that. I'm about to fitness whole pizza in my mouth. Okay. Redundant joke. What time do you usually go to bed? 10.30-ish, sometimes 4. Is that your life? Yeah. Turn off Netflix. Organic, genderless gingerbread figures. 250, vegan. So this is what the world is coming to. Organic, genderless gingerbread <laughs> I don't even. It's so apropos. Don't tell me how to live my life. Don't judge me. <laughs> Two more. This is good. A croc in its natural habitat. Wait for it. Just look at the bottom of the... Okay. A croc in its... Okay, fine. <laughs> Last one. I love this one. It's my favorite one of all time. Dudes be like, only God can judge me. I'd be like, that should scare you. All right, thanks. Facebook update. Thanks for being here. All right. <laughs> yeah, you can clap if you want, or just drink out of that jug or whatever you're doing. Um, I have been um, a pastor for over 20 years now, and um, I have certain symptoms that, you know, I'm, are being treated. Um, We've uh, lived down in Gordon for about 15 of those years. And uh, so my daughter, being my oldest child, doesn't remember much before that. So she moved from Gordon to the great metropolis of Shadron, just like the rest of you guys. How many of you are from Nebraska? Cool. How many of you are from South Dakota, Colorado, Washington, Japan? Where else are you from? Wyoming, Kansas? <laughs> just curious. Now, the truth is, um, the truth is, I am from Canada. My wife um, is from the area. We got married in Bible College, and uh, ended up back here. And um, talk about being a fish out of water. Actually, I'm way out of water because we're as far away from the ocean as you can get, and that creates some problems for me. Um, how many of you enjoy the ocean? Yeah. How many of you have never seen the ocean? I'm sorry. Yeah, it's okay. We can't talk because there's no. <laughs> There's no basis for comparison. You know, sometimes we find ourselves in places that we wouldn't have expected. But um, God has a purpose for our lives. And oftentimes, things that we find out that are challenges at first end up being something that turns into a huge blessing. What I want to talk to you about tonight 
is what I call the anatomy of deception. I don't know what Tanner's been talking about over the past few weeks, but um, what I want to talk to you a little bit about is how Satan kind of spins his web of lies in our head and tries to get us to believe stuff that harms us and pulls us off course, gets us distracted. There are a lot of unhappy people in the world. And one of the reasons that so many people are unhappy is because people base their happiness on external things, external circumstances. And and you fall into this trap probably as much as any of us do. The following formula pretty much explains why there are so many unhappy people. So go ahead and advance the slide here. Oh, is it stuck? Boom. Oh, wait a second. You know what? You guys want to take notes? I can keep you awake. Here, pass those out. Do you have pens? That way, if, if, you know, if you fill in the blanks, you can go home and be like, what did he say the other night? And you can, like, look it up. So. Oh, yeah, this is a good one. Deception. Hang on. I think it might be a trap. Go figure. It's a trap. <laughs> hey, that's coming out on video next week. Star Wars movie night. That's what I'm thinking. Episode 7. All right, when you get one of these things, we'll go on. The reason that most people find themselves unhappy is this following formula, the happiness equation. Most people, when they think of happiness, their happiness is the result of two things that often clash. The first is reality. The second is expectations subtracted from that reality. And so happiness, in quotes, equals reality minus my expectations. And most people's expectations go so far beyond what the reality is that they experience, they end up with a negative score. And negative score means unhappy people. That's how it works for most folks. Generally speaking, most people's expectations exceed the reality that they're currently living, which gives them a negative score on the personal happiness scale. That's why there's so many unsatisfied unhappy people around, and maybe you're one of them. Now, you might ask, but Jason, shouldn't we have high expectations? I mean, shouldn't we aim high? Well, yes, perhaps, but ask yourself this. Are your your expectations realistic in any shape or form? Can they be achieved by hard work and diligence? Or do you expect them to simply drop in your lap? Remember, faith isn't belief in your dreams. Faith is built on the promises of God and the actions that you put into place to show God and the enemy, Satan, that you mean business. Sometimes our pie-in-the-sky expectations are more the result of delusional thinking or belief in our own inherent specialness. You know, we're raised to believe that we're special. I'm special, just like everyone else. And we end up frustrated at the disparity that exists between the reality that we're living and our wishful thinking. Because we confuse wishful thinking with the need for actual hard work. And so Satan uses this cultural truth that we find ourselves mired in to keep us in a state of frustration and deferred hope. You know, you guys, you're here at college, you got a lot of dreams, a lot of hopes, a lot of expectations of the future. And I want you to have those. But sometimes, if the enemy can get you to focus on these things in a way that works against you, There are things that you can do and things that you can expect, but nobody owes you anything. 
And even though you are special to God, technically you aren't any more special than all the people around you. And sometimes we just wait around for people to see how awesome we are so that we can get all the stuff that we think we deserve. And that lie, either directly or indirectly, kind of gets in our head. And it can cause us a very deep level of frustration. The Bible tells us we need to look at ourselves with sober judgment. Realize what you are, who you are, what you have, what you have to offer. And what God might be able to do when you decide to be diligent. So let's go to Genesis 3 real quick. Verse 1 through 7. And eventually the slide will change after Matt sighs enough. Oh, here it is. Thank you. Everybody here, let's hear it from Matt. Woo! The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? And this is interesting because Satan is already twisting the words that God told Adam into something that God never said. Of course we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you'll die. Which we'll come back to that in a minute, too. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you'll be like God, knowing both good and evil. You know the irony of that? God created Adam and Eve in his likeness, image. They already were like God. The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious, and she wanted delicious. And she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit, ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it too. At that moment, their eyes were opened, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. There's a couple things I want you to understand about how the enemy works how he tries to deceive us. The first is this. Satan will attempt to convince you that God is holding out on you. Satan will attempt to convince you that God is holding out on you. And this is what he did to Eve. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you'll be like God, knowing both good and evil. This lie that God is the cause of our problems causes us to doubt God, question his goodness, and to believe that he doesn't have our best interests in mind. Have you ever found yourself believing this kind of lie? It's ironic, again, that he says God doesn't want you to eat because he knows you'll be like him. Eve was already like him. How many times has Satan told you you're not something that you already are? If you've given your life to Christ, you're a new person. You're not the old person you used to be. There's a reality about what God has done in your life that the enemy doesn't want you to believe. And if he can get you stuck and mired in the belief that you're still that old dead self that actually was crucified with Christ, he's got you believing a lie that should have no power over you because you're already like Jesus. But I struggle. You're already like Jesus. How many times do we get philosophical? We blame God for things. We thought we missed out on something or 
we think God's the, the author of our problems. The reality is that the enemy wants you to doubt God and his goodness, and to believe that he doesn't have your best interests at heart. Second thing that he does, he, um, he comes to us, he tries to, through various means, through people, through media, through whatever, he tries to misquote and or misrepresent what God has actually said in order to lead you astray. So eventually it'll come here in a minute. It'll be just like, boom. There we go, yeah. So Satan will misquote and or misrepresent what God has actually said in order to lead you astray. And this is exactly what he does. You know, and this might come from pop philosophy. It might come from the media. It might come from well-meaning friends or not-so-knowledgeable family members who are folk theologians. The History Channel specials bent on debunking the Bible. Or that guy, you know, that they always have. Aliens, you know, that guy with the hair. Yeah, I love him. Richard Dawkins. Aliens. No, wait. So when he says to Eve, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any trees of the garden? That's not what God said. What did God say? You go back in Genesis, he told Adam and Eve not to eat what? The fruit off one particular tree, right? So then Satan comes and brings doubt by, by asking a totally different question. And you don't know how many people I've met that have forsaken Christ and have dropped out of the church because they believed the church taught something that the church never taught in the first place. Bonkers. The enemy succeeded in pushing that person away by getting them to believe that God had some kind of requirement that God never required. No, he didn't. What God actually said is in Genesis 2, 16 and 17. But the Lord God warned him, you may freely eat the, the fruit of every tree in the garden except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. That was the warning. Everything else was fair game. Just the truth, the, the fruit from this one tree. Just don't eat it. Don't eat the fruit off that tree. Everything else, everything else, everything else is yours. Satan used a similar method against Jesus in the wilderness by quoting scripture to him outright, but out of context when Jesus was tired and hungry. Look in Luke 2, Luke 4, 9 through 12. The devil took him to Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple, and said, if you are the son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say he will order his angels to protect and guard you, and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Jesus responded, the scripture also says, you must not test the Lord your God. You're going to find yourself in places like that got to be careful not to believe the lie. You have a responsibility, as you'll find out in a little bit, to learn the truth. Brings me to my third point. Satan will use your ignorance and your lack of knowledge against you. Just know that. He will use your ignorance and your lack of knowledge against you. My favorite scene is in uh, Toy Story that time forgot. You saw that one? The Battle Soars. Get their own theme song. Anyway, they, uh, the, the leader of the supreme leader of the battle source says something about um, them wallowing in their ignorance, and the one dinosaur leans over and says, What's ignorance? And the guy goes, I don't know. Yeah. 
It was funnier on the, yeah, it doesn't. <laughs> what you don't know will hurt you. I guarantee it. What you don't know, the enemy will use against you. And is it any wonder that the writer of the Proverbs in the Old Testament continually says, get wisdom, get knowledge, get understanding, get wisdom, get knowledge, get understanding. Eve says, of course we may eat fruit from the tree in the garden. She replied, it's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. God said you must not eat it or even touch it. Wait, did he say that? No. If you do, you will die. So Eve had some misinformation. Did, did she hear God wrong? Did Adam miscommunicate it? Probably. <laughs> So when she touched it and didn't die, because she believed that they weren't supposed to touch it, again, if she had known somehow there was a miscommunication from God to Adam to Eve or whatever, God told Adam, don't eat the fruit. And that's all, all one thing, one thing, don't eat the fruit off the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And she's like, Satan, yeah, I know, we're not supposed to eat it, we're not supposed to touch it. Maybe Adam told Eve, he's like afraid that, She'd go too far with it. So Eve, okay, God told me to tell her not to eat the fruit. But I'm going to tell her not to touch it because then I then a little fence law there. And then maybe I'll, I'll be safe because, you know, I wouldn't want her to be tempted. Yeah, I, I don't know what happened. But for whatever reason, Eve believed that touching the fruit was an infraction. And when she touched the fruit and didn't die, she went the rest of the way. Unfortunate. And when you think about the parallel, I've seen, again, I've seen people forsake their whole faith in God because they believed that the Bible or they were taught something, and when that thing that was wrong didn't come to pass, they just threw the baby out with the bathwater and turned their back on God based on a fallacy, based on a misunderstanding. And someday they'll stand before God and they'll be like, but I thought, but I thought, and God be like, you still had a responsibility to find out. You can't blame other people. How many times have we used that? I didn't know. You're in college. When you walk in, professor, I didn't know the test was today. What does your professor say? <laughs> Let's see, one of those like easy professors is like, oh, you can come do it tomorrow. Most of them are like, I don't care. <laughs> it was in the syllabus. I sent, I told you guys last week. You know, I mean, when you're in college, lack of knowledge doesn't, uh, doesn't offer much protection, right? It's like, sorry, dog ate my homework. <laughs> Too bad, so sad. So when she touched it and didn't die, she believed that God had lied. Because her knowledge of what God had said wasn't completely correct. Might as well just eat it now. I haven't died yet. And so Satan's threefold attack then was complete. Adam and Eve were now victims of the first successful temptation Mostly because they didn't have their facts straight. Satan doesn't play fair. That's the truth. And if you don't know that God promises X or Y, then Satan can use that lack of knowledge to his advantage. And I guarantee it, he will. Fourth thing, Satan will attempt to convince you that you can only be truly happy If you tap it harder, you think it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Satan 
will attempt to convince you that you can only be truly happy in the pursuit of your own, trademark pending, personal dream. Hey, there it is. Satan will convince you that you can only be truly happy in the pursuit and realization of your own personal dream, 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 dream. Instead of living for God and others, you're tempted then to simply live for yourself. Instead of asking God to help you in seeking to build God's kingdom and investing in eternity, because eternity is a long time, you'll find yourself caught up in the moment and you'll just be pursuing your own personal fulfillment. And that's unfortunate. Because there's so much more that God has for you. So much more purpose, so much more plan that involves you being part of a community of people building a kingdom that's meant to last for eternity, to make a difference in people's lives that will last for eternity. So here's the stance that you need to take. Here's how you're going to... Fight back. Be prepared, in essence. Number one, know what God has said. Learn what God has said. Nobody else can do this for you. I mean, you guys can come to Chi Alpha and listen to Tanner speak and speak and speak and speak. You go to church on Sunday and hear that. You go to Bible study groups and stuff, you know, and listen to people talk to you, which is fine. But at some point, you've got to take responsibility to, to learn and know that stuff for yourself. What does it mean to me? How am I going to learn this? How am I going to know it? You've got to, number two, get to know God and get to know his character. Because when you don't know God, it's easier for the enemy to convince you that God is holding out on you, that somehow God hasn't been truthful with you, that somehow God you know, hasn't given you the whole story. And then thirdly, knowing who God is, it's going to make it more difficult for the enemy to use things like out-of-context scripture, man-made legalism, even your own dissatisfaction to steer you off course. And it'll be more difficult for him to convince you that God is holding out on you somehow. That's the truth. My encouragement, guys, you know, this is more about, so much more than about just being, you know, going to church or going to Chi Alpha. And you probably know this. God desperately wants you to know him. And he wants to be known. And he wants to know you. And when you seek that over anything, that's going to protect you from a lot of the lies that the enemy will throw at you through people and through the world and through your professors and, you know, whatever you might find yourself encountering. You know, when Jesus talks about testing the spirits in the scripture, he's talking a little bit about that. But here's just, for me, the most practical example of how to know God is in John 14. We're almost done here, so just give me a couple more minutes. Um, Jesus tells the disciples, if you had really known me, you would know who my father is, and from now on you do know him and have seen him. Seems pretty clear. Philip says, Lord, show us the father and we'll be satisfied. You know, have you ever had that moment, God, I just want to see you. I just want to see God. A little bit like Moses in Exodus 33. I just want to see your face, God. So Philip is kind of crying out for that, but he didn't quite catch what Jesus had just said. So Jesus looks at him and says, have I been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you still don't know who I am? 
Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So why are you asking me to show, you, show him to you? All those History Channel specials where they say, well, Jesus didn't claim to be God. <laughs> One of the biggest things that God was doing when Jesus came to this planet was to clear up some of the confusion about who he was. Like that song, what if God was one of us? You know that song? He was. He just wasn't a slob on the bus or whatever the rest of the song says. Anyway, um, the truth is God was revealing himself to humanity in the form of, 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 of being human and giving us an example to follow. This is who God is. They're like, we just want to see God. And Jesus is like, hello? Philip's like, huh? No, I don't know. I think they got it. They got it eventually. Here's the thing. Third thing. Fight the enemy's lies. Fight the enemy's lies and your unhappiness with God's truth. And you can only do that when you know the truth. And when you know the truth, the truth can set you free. Yeah, but you've got to know it. And so how are you going to do that? And this isn't like a magic bullet thing. It's not like something that you're going to wake up tomorrow and be like, hey, my whole life is different. I mean, it could be. But this may be a process that you need to, to practice. You're going to speak the truth. You're going to live the truth. You're going to act on the truth. And you're going to believe the truth. I put that one last because really believing it kind of hinges on you speaking, living it, and acting on it. Because that's the proof of the pudding. So does happiness really equal reality minus expectations? Not really. But if you live in God's reality, if you're living in God's reality and you let him sanctify your expectations, purify your heart, you're going to realize that happiness is a whole new ball game. Because he's going to be able to bring joy to your soul and your spirit. Because some of the expectations that you have are going to be shed away. And God's going to give you new God-sized expectations that go beyond anything that you could have ever hoped, asked, or imagined. That are so much broader than the kind of house that you hope to have or the kind of person that you want to marry or the kind of job that you think you're going to have or how much money that you want to have. Because God's thinking... You need, to, you need to expand the scope of your vision and realize that my dream for you is to find the purpose that I want to plant in your heart so that you can be the most fulfilled person that you can be building my kingdom and investing your time and your talents and your resources into my kingdom for eternity. You can do stuff on this life that you know, it looks great, but does it have eternal value? And my prayer is that you guys will always think about the choices that you make every day and realize, you know, I can binge watch the new Netflix show, and I'm not saying that you shouldn't do that, but, you know, there is moderation, right? There are, in, there are relationships that need to be invested in, people that need to be invested in. Folks around you that are lost, that are that are that are hurting, that that need that need the love of God shown to them by a physical human being. There's so much in this world that is wrong, 
And God has called you guys to be the hands and feet. My daughter and I have talked a lot about how uh, it's going to be the job of the millennials to fix this world that us Gen Xers and baby boomers have kind of screwed up. <laughs> I know, scary stuff. But with God, all things are possible, man. <laughs> Truth. Truth. God is calling you guys to some very mighty things. Things that might cause your head to explode a little bit if you thought about it too much. But my, my goal, my prayer, my dream for you is that God is able to implant in your heart God-sized dreams that will be enabled by his spirit and his word in your life that are so far beyond anything that you could have hoped or imagined on your own and that you'll find that purpose for your life and invest in eternity in the way that he wants you to. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you so much for these young men and young women that came up tonight, gave up their Tuesday night to come and to worship, to pray, to listen to your word. Father, I don't expect a single message necessarily to be a linchpin for somebody's life, but perhaps, Father, there are some here tonight that have already been pondering these things. And, um, you know, this is an exciting time. It's a, sometimes it can be a scary time. This kind of revolving door of childhood meets adulthood. And Father, the reality is you have plans for these men and these women that are so much more than they could dream from their own humanness. But I pray, Father, that as you infuse them with the power of your spirit, and as they seek your face, and as they get to know who you are, and as they read your word, and as they absorb it, and as they speak it, and they live it, and they believe it, God, that they will live in your reality, and their expectations will grow in alignment with your heart. God, that you'll help them to dream dream big, life-changing, world-altering dreams. Because even though we know that we're special, just like everyone else, you still have incredible plans for each of us. We are uniquely gifted, with unique personalities, with unique goals. And as we allow you to sanctify our thoughts and our heart and the direction of our life, God, there is nothing that is impossible with you when we're obedient to you, when we seek your face, when we seek your kingdom first, when we delight ourselves in you. And I pray, Father, as these young men and young women delight themselves in you, that you will, in fact, change the desires of their hearts to be God-sized desires and give them those desires. Help them to see this campus as an opportunity to reach out to the lost and hurting. We pray for a wave of your spirit, God, to transform lives here in Chadron on this campus. And I know, Father, that you want to use each person here to touch and to change somebody else. 
what exciting things you have in store. We thank you. Thank you that we've had the privilege just this past weekend to celebrate your resurrection, the central reality of our faith. We thank you, Father, that Jesus rose again so that we could be saved, so that we could be sanctified, and so that we could have big dreams. In Jesus' name, amen.